Let us pray. Almighty and most gracious Father, again, we thank you for your Son, and we pray that this word that you have given to us about him would be planted deep within us, and that we would forevermore be transformed by that grace and welcomed continually into your presence for the sake of your Son that you sent for us. And always, O oh Lord, work in us that we might know the depths of your mercy and go forth rejoicing always at the work you have accomplished through your Son. And it is through that very Son, Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. Amen. C.S. Lewis said that the Incarnation was the most important event in history. For it is God himself coming to earth. God himself taking on human flesh, wrapping the divine nature in humanity, becoming a true man. And it is truly a gift unto the world. Which, of course, leads us to give many gifts at Christmas, doesn't it? I mean, we give gifts throughout the year, yes, for birthdays and for other celebrations, but at Christmas we ramp it up to a new degree. And it is a wonderful tradition for us as Christians that has spread throughout the culture. Years ago, one of the boys said to me as we were unwrapping our presents, maybe right after we got done, he said to me, is the reason we give gifts at Christmas because God gave us Jesus at Christmas? It was one of those moments where it's like, I don't ever remember making that point to any of the boys, having mentioned that. But nonetheless, in the midst of all the excitement and of all the getting of new toys and all the presents, one of them stopped and thought about that and brought that truth to us. It's a truth we all know, but in the midst of celebration, it's easy to forget, to forget the joy and the truth that that is, that God has given us a great gift. And that gift is Jesus himself, the Son of God, the Word, who came down from heaven and dwelt among us and became one of us. God himself has come and he has made his dwelling with men. God was actually pleased to dwell with us sinful men, with us sinful people, with each and every one of us he was pleased to dwell. But even more than that, more than just God coming down, when he comes down he brings blessing upon blessing upon us. He brings it with him. As Jesus comes into this world, John tells us about three gifts that Jesus brings with him. He reminds us that there are three things that come along with Jesus as he comes into this world. Now, as you have heard this gospel passage, you may have noticed that it seems like John repeats himself a lot. And in fact, he does. John likes to write in what I call concentric circles, circles that just keep getting bigger, but yet have the same idea in the middle. He expands his thoughts ever bigger and bigger. In the first few verses, he'll identify one thing and then start talking about something else in the next few verses, but that's still the same thing. And in the next few, he expands his idea, but yet the core is still there. Even though he's talking about something else, it's building and it's expanding and it's creating new layers, layer after layer. And that's how John loves to write. If you read anything from the Gospel of John or from his epistles, he's building, always building out from a central idea 
always expanding because his joy is to reveal us, to reveal to us what the Holy Spirit has revealed to him. And so John tells us that as Jesus came into the world, there were three gifts that came with him for us. And those gifts are the gift of light and life, the gift of adoption, and finally, the gift of presence. So first, we'll see how it is that he brings this gift of life and light in his coming. In verse 1 of John, he just simply and yet profoundly begins, In the beginning was the Word. With those words, he tells us what you could call a new kind of creation story. As soon as the Jews would have read that, they would have thought immediately of Genesis 1-1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But yet John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. It's a profound statement, yet so simply stated. He tells us that the Word was there before there was anything else. The Word was with God, face to face in intimate communion, intimate connection, intimate relation with God the Father in heaven. And before there was even a heaven to be had for God the Father to dwell in, there the Word was with Him. And yet, uniquely, this Word is also God. In some mysterious way, there's both God and the Word who is also fully God. And He, John says, was face to face with God in the beginning. And even more, just to bring out this emphasis about who the Word is, the Word is the one through whom all things were made. John says that nothing would exist without the work of the Word. Nothing would exist unless it was made through the Word. And in light of that, the gift that this Word gives is life and light. In Him, in the Word, was life, and it was the light of men. In the coming of Jesus into this world, he brings life because life is in himself. And that life is in the Son, in the Word, because the Father has decreed that there would be life in the Son. And that that life would be given by him. It would be given from him. It would be given through him. To me, to you, and to all of mankind. And in that life being given to man, light springs up, understanding, renewal, a newness of life in man and the one who sees Jesus as he is. The one who sees the word as being truly God, as being one who is with God and yet is truly God. And in this creation story, John doesn't neglect to tell us what's wrong with creation, what has happened to creation. He says that the light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not understood it. That is John's way of telling us that something went wrong in creation. Darkness entered creation. This one who made all of things, all things, who is the light of all, when he comes down, there is darkness in this world that he created. Darkness has entered in, and that is because of Adam and Eve's fall. They brought sin into this creation that the Word has made. But nonetheless, the light comes down into that darkness and he shines brightly into it and the darkness must recede because it doesn't comprehend, it doesn't understand. And in some translations, such as ours, it says it does not understand, it does not overcome the light 
And that's because the darkness can't resist. When the light shines down, it brings light and it brings life upon that which it shines. And so that is the gift of life, the gift of light that Jesus brings with him into this world to us and to all who believe in him this day. All who turn and trust in him, he brings that light and that life because he is God. He can do that and he can bring that to us. He can bring renewal and light into us because of God, because he is the very God. He's not just a mere man, some baby born 2,000 years ago, but while he is a man, he is the true God-man. He is both God and man, the one through whom all things were made. And St. John continues to tell us about these gifts. The Word brings with him not only life and light, but he brings adoption to the people of God. And so John goes on to tell us about the story of John the Baptist who came as a witness. There was a man who was sent from God. His name was John, and he came as a witness to testify to that light so that through him, that is through John, all men might believe. John was not that light. He came only as a witness. The true light, the genuine light that gives light to every man was coming into the world, and John was witnessing to that. And the light would shine forth. And when the light shines forth, God always sends a witness. Someone who will testify, a prophet that will come and tell the people what is about to happen. And so John came testifying about light and life that was coming. And in testifying about the life and light, it was so that all might believe through his word, through that trustworthy and God-given spirit-wrought word in him that he couldn't keep from anyone. And so he declared that the light was coming, that he was merely a mirror shining forth that light, a reflection of that light. But a greater light was coming, more beautiful than what John could preach about. One writer put it that John was like the moon to the sun. The moon merely reflects the light of the sun upon us, and so John merely reflected the light of Christ into the world so that others would look beyond him and look past him to the true light that was coming. Not only that, the apostle tells us in verse 10, that Christ came into the world, that world that was made through him, but the world didn't know him. Even though he was bringing light and life, the world couldn't recognize him. Though he was coming to bring adoption, the world rejected him. His own people rejected him. The Jews didn't want anything to do with this light. They didn't understand this light. They were full of darkness like so many of us, and they backed away. They wouldn't have anything to do with him or his coming, but they rejected him. But that wasn't the end of the story for Jesus. That wasn't the end of the story of God's salvation in this world. Because John then continues that though there were those who wouldn't receive him, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Through this word that came into the world, there was adoption given to those who believe. That which he brings with himself is life, and in that life, we can then be adopted. We can be made part of God's family because of what the Word does, because of what the Son has done, that through believing in Him, through trusting who He is, we are adopted into God's family. And in being adopted and part of that family, we're not to be rejected by the Father now. We believe in who Jesus is and what He has come to do, that He brought life and light and salvation to us all. 
And with that, the gift of adoption, John continues to say, these children, that we are children, that we aren't born in a natural way now. It doesn't matter where we came from. It doesn't matter who our parents were. It doesn't matter who our grandparents or great-grandparents were. This gift of adoption looks beyond human decision. It is not from human decision. It's not from our will. And it's not from a man's will. The gift of adoption is God's will through the Son, through the Word for us. It's out of God's good pleasure that we become children through the Word. To all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to be children of God, John says in verse 12. We have to remember that that belief there isn't an action that we are performing to get something. Belief here is trust. And trust means simply receiving God's good promises for us. The Word has promised life and light. And when we receive that life and light, we have believed what He has said. When we say this is true, we are believing what Jesus has said, yes? But we are believing that Jesus had brought us something. We don't earn something by belief. Belief is something that merely receives. It's the outstretched open hands that are empty, that are weak and fragile, that the gift is placed in. Those hands don't do anything. They're simply there, open before the Father. And by being open, they are receiving that gift of life and light and adoption. And yet there's another gift that comes beyond those two wonderful gifts that are bound up together. In some of the most profound words of Holy Scripture, John says, the Word became flesh, and He has made His dwelling among us. The Word comes down. He becomes incarnate. This is the nativity springing forth in John's Gospel. The Word becomes flesh and dwells with us. One of my professors in seminary, he always loved reading this verse. And then after reading it, he would point out that the word for dwelling or for dwelling among us, making his dwelling, is the same word as tent in the Greek Old Testament. And what was the tent of dwelling in the Old Testament? It was the tabernacle, he would remind us. And then he would go back and so joyfully read, and the word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. To emphasize that he is now the tabernacle. He is the place of God's very presence down with us. In the Old Testament, that was where you knew God's presence was, in the tabernacle, at the temple, when the temple was built. That was where you would go to find God. They knew the presence of God was there. And in much the same way, this day we come to the holy places of the church, knowing that where God's words and sacraments are rightly administered, there is God to be met. God will be present. Even if we have lack of certainty in ourselves, God has promised that when we gather with fellow believers in the name of Jesus, He will be there. And so we gather in these holy places, knowing that God has promised to be where His Word is. And God's presence is there where two or three are gathered for the sake of Jesus. And why is that, that God fulfills His promise? But because the Word became flesh. He took on our human nature. He became like us in all ways except that He is without sin, as opposed to us who are sinners, who are ones who break the law. We who are darkness is what differs from Jesus because He is the light. We are darkness. But the light comes and shines on us and changes us. It renews us and drives the darkness away from us. 
And so he came and tabernacled with us. He came and walked amongst us. And he lived with us and spent time with us. And because of that, we see his glory. We have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is grace and truth in all good things. Blessings upon blessings upon blessings for his people. And they are showered on us through Jesus. And it comes from his grace and his mercy from his favor that he places on his people. And so Christ comes to dwell with us by being the word made flesh. And so John shows us these three gifts. He tells us about these three things that have been brought to us by the work of Jesus. He has brought life and light to us. He has brought adoption and he brings his very presence in his incarnation. But these things aren't separated from one another. They're intermingled with one another. They're bound up together. They overlap. You can speak of them distinctly, yes, but you can't separate them from one another. In these first, verse, first 18 verses, there are concentric circles occurring. The same idea, the same story told in different ways, coming back to that central idea about life and light and adoption and presence. They're wrapped up together. You don't have life and light without adoption because what's the point of adoption? If you aren't alive, what's the point of being alive if you aren't brought into God's family? And what's the point of being in God's family if you are not then in his very presence forever? But you can't be in his presence unless you are adopted and have been brought to life. And so how do we come into life in the first place? Well, it's by being brought into God's presence so that you can have that light shine into your hearts so that the spirit can dwell and be with you. And so as you can see, it's a both and. It's all of these working together simultaneously, life and light, adoption and presence, all together, for they all work together. The three gifts are in many ways one and the same gift, for they are salvation and redemption flowing from that incarnation of God to us. Our God became incarnate and is living with us now. These three simple things come. They come simply to us as we believe and trust and say it is true that God has been made flesh. To deny that Christ came in the flesh is to deny the salvation that he is bringing to us. And so belief is saying this is very true. God became man. My God became a human being and died for my sins. God has come to be with us in the man Jesus and thus these three things, life and light, presence, adoption, they fulfill the old covenant. John brings that up. Moses gave the law, yet grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That law was incapable of saving us. That law was incapable of imparting the very life that it was said to give. It was that one could have through it. For the Lord had said, all who do the law shall live by it. But no one can do that law, for we are all full of darkness. So no one can live by it. All have died by the law. But when Jesus comes, he brings life, something the law could not give. And so the gift is found, Israel's true longing in the incarnation of God, bound up with that incarnation, to be adopted, to be received into new life is all accomplished by the Incarnation, never to be rejected again. 
Israel was cast away from God's presence and thrown into exile because of their sin. Because they merely did the ceremony. They merely did religious things, but they didn't have a heart of faith to go with those actions that God called for them to have. And so they were cast into exile and abandoned in, some, in a sense by God. Left in order that they might be drawn back into life. Drawn back into the light. And so Jesus comes and brings the gift that they desire to be adopted, to be, un, to be made changed, and to become unchanging, unfailing children of God. And that is what the gift of life and light and adoption is. But then there is the presence, the incarnation itself, which sums up the entirety of the covenant. I will be your God and you will be my people. That is God dwelling with his people and not just dwelling with them, but being present within throughout and amongst his people. I will be your God and you will be my people. And the incarnation fully accomplishes that promise that is the core and foundation of the entire covenant. God sends his son into this world, wrapping him up in human flesh, born of a pure virgin so that he would be born without sin. So that by being without sin, he could deal with that which stands between us. And so God's presence is manifest in humanity, in human nature, in the flesh, that we can touch and behold, that we can hug and feel, that we can receive as, as the disciples did. And so there is no separating God from his people, for God has come on and taken flesh in Jesus. And he remains in that very flesh. When it says he became flesh, it's telling us that before that moment, Jesus was not a human being. He was the second person in the Trinity, eternally dwelling with God the Father in heaven. But when it says he became flesh, it means that he took on human nature and that that human nature is still his to this day, that he will never stop carrying that human nature with his divine nature. Two distinct natures united in the one person, Jesus Christ, carried into heaven in the ascension. The incarnation is forever. The gift is forever, the fulfillment of God's saying, I will be your God and you will be my people, unchanging now because Jesus became a man and is forever a man for us. And in his becoming a man for us, he removes the stumbling block between us and God. He shines forth to drive that darkness away. And then he fills us with life and light. He binds us up and he adopts us and takes us up as his own children. And he gives us the right to be heirs with Christ, his son. That is what God the Father does through this son. And within all of that bound up with it, we get to be in the very presence of God and receive these gifts over and over and over again. Blessings upon blessings upon blessings that flows out of the presence and the incarnation of our God in human flesh. And those aren't the only three gifts, but they are the ones that John brings out here at the beginning of his gospel. He brings out these three gifts because they, in a way, are the foundation of everything else that comes tumbling out of them. Everything that comes out flows from these gifts. At different times we'll sense different parts, but these remain there. The life and light poured upon us, the adoption given and the presence known. And so it's Christmas time. And we give gifts and we celebrate and we remember that greatest gift, Jesus being born into this world. I hope and pray that as we encounter others 
throughout these coming days of our season of Christmas that we can make known and share these three gifts that are one. While the world's season of Christmas has now ended, we are, in, we are entering into Christmas, into a celebration of the birth of Christ for these next 12 days. Yesterday was that last day of Advent, that last day of preparation, that last day of development of that longing and that desire to see Jesus, to receive him, that looking forward to him coming into this world. And now we celebrate that Jesus has come for us. We celebrate that Jesus has come and in that coming he renews and he adopts and he gives life. And in his coming is the presence of God himself for he is God. And by his coming, the Son brings the Father with him. The Father's presence is with us because Jesus is with us. For they are bound up together, one God, yet distinct from one another, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, yet one God. And so as the Son comes down, so does the Father and the Spirit in him. And as Jesus tabernacles with us, we receive these gifts of God. Life and light, adoption, and the presence of God himself in our midst, bound up, united, and in communion with him forevermore. That is our gift given to us from God the Father in Jesus. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.